We are in week 14 of our James series called Evidence. And the question that we have asked, and we don't have our video this morning, but the question that we've asked is if you were put on trial for being a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you of being a follower of Jesus? That is somewhat of the central theme of the book of James. As we seek maturity in Christ, as we seek maturity in our, in our Christian lives, there will be evidence, tangible, visible, real-life evidence that something has happened. Um, I say it, if Jesus comes in and His Holy Spirit resides in your heart, as the Bible teaches us, then there's no way God, the Holy Spirit, can come into your life and nothing change. I just got to be real. There's no way. So that's the premise of the book of James. We've been in here 14 weeks. We've got two to three more weeks remaining. Um, and so pray for that as we close out this series. Jeff's going to be preaching one of those weeks. He's looking forward to it. Jeff actually went through the book of James with the student ministry over the last few months. And so he's very fresh on it. So that's going to be good within the next couple of weeks here. But James chapter 4 is where we'll be today, if you have your Bibles or app or whatever. As I've said, we're going to be reading uh, from the ESV simply because if you have your note, uh, your notebooks, your journals, that's what it's in. We want to stay consistent for you. But James chapter 4, today's message is simply entitled, What is your life? What is your life? As we preach verse by verse through books of the Bible, we hit different topics. We hit different themes. Last week... We had the theme of judgment and judging. Who were you to judge your neighbor? And we move this week to verse 13. James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. James uses the word and the accusation really to those who would make plans he says you boast in your arrogance you boast in your arrogance this morning we're going to talk about life and we're going to talk about what is your life i want us to see first of all in our text look at verse 13 let's let's see first of all the plans of life. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit. James talks about making plans in life. And by the way, can I say this? Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with planning your life. In fact, oftentimes you'll find us in our teaching and as we talk through application and just uh, some of our, uh, maybe in our connect groups, we'll talk about the the importance of planning and living a life of purpose. In fact, 
there's some of the leadership guys that I follow, like leadership guru type people that they they've written books on life planning. Where do you want to be? You start from the end of your life and you work your way back. How do you want your funeral to be? And you work your way back and you have goals and you set goals and you live a life of purpose. And I'm, by the way, I'm for that. I don't believe we ought to live our life just simply floating through and reacting to how everything else happens around us. I believe that we should have goals and a purpose in our life. I believe that every father here today, one of his goals and purposes in his life should be that his children, his sons, his daughters grow up to faithfully love Jesus Amen. and serve him with their lives. We ought to have that goal. And, and because we have that goal and that plan, we should then not live passively. We should then not just allow things to happen in our lives. But we, we should then make plans and, and set goals and have something purposeful to see that come to pass. And by the way, those of you parents here today, the older my children get, the more I'm, I'm, I stand amazed at, at parents who have parented your kids all the way up to their now adults. Kudos. You guys are incredible. Um, the older my kids get, the more I understand how the devil just wants, the devil just wants them so bad. And I'm, I'm amazed at parents with a plan and a purpose and plans are not wrong uh, plans are not bad as I mentioned I wish more people had them I wish I could talk to you after the service today and I, I wish I could say hey where do you see yourself in five years what's your plan and I wish more people could say oh funny you asked that I was just talking about that this is really where I see myself spiritually financially this is where I see myself so planning is not a bad thing and James is not necessarily saying that planning is a bad thing but James is saying plans that are made without a thought of God or without acknowledging God's will or without acknowledging the Holy Spirit in your life are plans to fail. Plans that are made without God honestly should not even be made. Uh, plans this morning for your finances that don't involve God are plans that probably shouldn't even be made. Uh, plans this morning regarding your future that do not involve God or plans that do not need to be made. And so while planning is important and planning is, is vital in the life of someone who is a purposeful follower of Jesus, if those plans don't include Jesus, then maybe we need to take a step back. But not only do we see the plans of life, let's, let's see what James does say. Secondly, we see the brevity of life. The brevity of life. Look at verse 14, the very next verse. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And stop right there real quick before we get into that. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Anybody experienced that yet in, their, in your life? You have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. You get the phone call? Anybody ever gotten the phone call? Anybody ever walked into the house to find fill in the blank, right? We do not know what tomorrow may bring. Continuing in verse 14, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Folks, can I say this in the middle of this 
book of James where James talks a lot about what we do and how we act and the things that we, the, the tangible things in our lives. He inserts the gospel right here and basically says, hey, listen, there's a lot more to it than just what you do, what you say, and what you want to see accomplished. He inserts the gospel very clearly here. And let's put this in perspective. What is your life? If we started right here at this post and we went this way to that post over there and across the way and back there by Shane and Bruce and Melissa and came around by Bobby and David and came back up here and came all the way over here by Justin and Keith and we came back and we made this big circle and it was a string. Your life is a tiny blip on that long string. If we stood in a football field today 100 yards long and we stuck a grain of sand on a football field 100 yards long, your life is that grain of sand. If I had a rope here and that rope went from here to those cars over there, the one little silk that's sticking up in the rope that's your life. The brevity of life. James basically says, hey, make all the plans that you want to make. Listen, uh, uh, make all the five-year plans and the 10-year plans and the 15-year plans and the 20-year plans. But he says, put it in context. He says, let the gospel speak into your life. Your life is nothing more than a mist. Than a vapor. It's here and it's gone. Your life is like that cold morning and you're walking out of your vehicle and you can see your breath. Hopefully you brush your teeth for all those that are with you. And you blow that your breath out and it's gone. You say, Josh, you're trying to be all... It's Father's Day, man. Sorry, I stay in the text. As I did on Mother's Day, I preached on the patriarch and the prostitute on Mother's Day. So, par for the course here. Come on. Sorry. My pastor in, in Maryland, one Mother's Day, preached on the great whore from the uh, book of Revelation. So, I get it honest. I'm sorry. Didn't plan it that way. It's just the way it happened. But we can make all the plans that we want. We can make all the, 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 the purpose in our life that we want. But when we leave Jesus out, we leave the Holy Spirit out, He reminds us, listen, it can all be gone in an instant. That's right. It can all be gone in an instant. I ran into an old friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. And we had, we got to talking, and we hadn't talked in several years. And we got to talking about the fact that he lost his brother. It was over 10 years ago he lost his brother at 19 years old. Guess what? His brother had no idea that the day that he left this earth was going to be the day he left this earth. We've seen children. We've seen healthy adults. We've seen those that have lived their, their 80 years plus. At the end of the day, we must be intellectually honest that we don't know what tomorrow holds. We must be spiritually honest if we don't include Jesus, if we don't include God in our plans then our plans mean nothing in light of eternity. That's the brevity of life this morning. Is that you can make all the plans you want in this world and you can save all the money and your 401k can look however it looks depending on what the president tweets. It goes up, it goes down. However it looks this morning, your 401k can look however it wants to look. 
But at the end of the day, if you die, and, and your your money is great and everything is great, then guess what? You still die. The brevity of life. You say, Josh, does that mean we need to be unwise in our spending? Of course not. Does that mean we don't need to think about our the next generation, our children and their children? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that everything we do should be put through the filter of the eternal. Everything we do, every plan we make, should be put through the filter of eternity. And so often, if we do plan, if we do make uh, set goals, all of our goals are so tangible and they're so temporary. But today, we must understand the brevity of life. And that is that it's just a vapor. It's just a mist. It's just a mist. And if we're going to make plans, we should live in the phrase... Instead, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. James, as we spoke about in our Connect group when we went through these verses, James basically says if you make plans without God, if you make plans without, without consulting the Holy Spirit, if you make plans that are not eternal but temporary plans, he says that you are boasting and your arrogance. Yeah. Come on. God says through His Word that we are boasting in our arrogance. By the way, plans are not just for rich people. Goals are not just for rich people. James was writing this to the Jews in the dispersion, the Jews that had been scattered. They were not welcome in, in the places they were at. Many of them not making much money at all would be considered poor. James was not writing this to the wealthy necessarily, even though come back next week and we're going to hit the wealthy. Um, he was not writing it to the wealthy. He was writing it to normal people. We must understand that if we're going to make plans, we must make plans if the Lord wills. My Growing up, I used to hear this. How many of you have ever heard this? Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. How many of you have heard that? Raise your hand. True Southerners. Hey, uh, you want to grab lunch? Yeah. Uh, Tuesday? Yeah, sounds good. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. So uh, we say those like tongue-in-cheek things, or, or if you're really Southern, the creek, right? Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. But you know, the truth is, if I make plans with Mike and Sharon, and I say, hey, this Friday night, let's go do this or that. The answer between us should be, hey, Lord willing, we'll see you there. And not just because that's what we say, but that's the way we ought to live our lives. If the Lord wills. That's right. Hey, uh, we met this week with Chris and Aaron, and we talked about some uh, ideas for outreach coming up. Hey, if the Lord wills. Hey, if the Lord leads. If the Lord guides. You know why? What, what are we acknowledging subconsciously? The brevity of life. That's We're acknowledging the fact that our lives are in the hands of God and they can be removed and our plans can change at any moment because we're acknowledging Him and His will. If the Lord wills. Hey, listen, in the life of our church, as we hopefully at some point in time move from being a mobile church into a church that has a facility, guess what? There's going to be a whole lot of Lord willing. If the Lord wills. That's right. There's going to be a whole lot 
as we as we uh, maybe find a, a place or in the future or, or God opens up a door and there's things that we have to do and, and decisions we have to make there's going to be a whole lot of if the Lord wills Lord willing the brevity of life so we see the plans of life that must be influenced by the brevity of life the eternal thirdly we have the purpose of life you see, if we understand that the plans of our lives depend on how we comprehend the brevity of life, maybe we'll understand the true purpose of life. And I will say that I believe verse 17 in James chapter 4 is a little bit oddly placed, but I'm not a writer of Scripture. James says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin I have to say that I have in the past and maybe still do and I don't know if it's necessarily wrong I've kind of used this verse as kind of a catch-all verse of like well is that a sin or is it not a sin and I'm like well if you know it's good to do and you don't do it it's a sin and I, we kind of use that kind of flippantly I believe that this morning the purpose of a life of the purpose of the life of a follower of Jesus is to find out what the right thing to do is and do it you say man the Bible's so confusing and the Bible's got there's so many different books and so many different writers and I don't know how it all fits together okay let me try to bare bones it right down man and its humanity was created Adam and Eve sinned. They passed down the sinful nature to all of us. God had a redemptive story that started in Genesis 1 and went all through the Bible, the thread of the blood of Christ. As early as Genesis 3, we see it. And Jesus came and He died and He was buried and He rose again. The Gospel, the good news. And those of us who believe in that and repent of our sins and believe the Gospel, here we go. You ready? We should find the right thing to do and do it. Yeah. Come on. I, I wish that it was deeper than that. I wish that it was more complicated than that. But our purpose in life as followers of Jesus is to find the right thing to do. By the way, we find the right thing to do by looking in His Word, yielding to the Spirit, seeing what Jesus did and how He lived on this earth, and do it. Okay. Do it. You say, well, I don't know about how I should go about meeting this need. Well, how did Jesus go about meeting the need? Well, I'm not really sure what we ought to do about this or that. Well, what does the Scripture say? What does the Bible say about it? Well, I'm not really sure. I mean, this is a little, ah. Uh, okay, well, if the Bible's not super clear on it, and there's no super clarity in there of what Jesus did, well, how's the Holy Spirit leading you? Right. Find the right thing to do and do it. Do it. It's the purpose of life. It's to live the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Not, not in our own power, not in our own strength. No, no, no. It's through the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the example of Jesus. Know the right thing and do the right thing. I'm convinced that we sit in churches and I'm convinced that I oftentimes uh, sit through uh, sermons and read my Bible and honestly, I don't even pay enough attention to even know what the right thing to do is sometimes. We don't even know. 
when we find the right thing, we filter the right thing through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, and we do the right thing. You say, I don't know how to handle the injustice. What we spoke about last week about judging a neighbor, the racial tension in our world, okay? Find the right thing to do and do it. Say, Joshua, what do you mean find the right thing to do? Well, how did Jesus treat those who had experienced injustice? Find the right thing and do it. Exactly. Well, I'm not really sure. Okay, we'll read your Bible, number one. Number two, if, if, if it doesn't speak to you there, ask the Holy Spirit. Honestly, how would you? what would you have me to do? How would you have me to walk? How would you have me to talk? What are the, some of the actions that you would have me to take in light of the situations in our country, in our world? Find out what's right to do and do it. I wish it was more difficult. I wish this morning that I had some more isms and ologies to give you this morning. But it's pretty blatant and pretty plain right here. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, yeah. it is sin. I think James is pretty clear. If I see injustice, if I see someone who has a need, and the Holy Spirit pricks my heart, speaks to me about doing something about it, and I continue as I've done, being honest, as I have done in the past, I try to block it and ignore it, and I walk on the other side. To him, that was sin. To him, that was sin. When we have opportunities to do good, and we neglect to do good, to us, it is sin. I do love the fact that this kind of leaves it open here in the book of James that the Holy Spirit may move John and his family in a certain direction of loving and blessing and serving and showing mercy and showing grace. And he may take John and Kristen and he may use them in a different way to love and to serve and to bless. But at the end of the day, you're responsible and you're responsible for knowing to do good and doing it. And doing it. So this morning, what is your life? What is your life? Your life is comprised of many things. Your life is comprised of your desires, the things you find fun and entertaining. I've recently become passionate about cooking. I was grilling on two grills yesterday at the same time. It was amazing. I'm going over to my parents today, grilling two whole chickens. It's going to be fun. We're all, we are made up of our, our desires, the things that we enjoy doing. It's great. But at the end of the day, a gospel view of our life, an eternal perspective on our life will help us to understand that our life is just here as long as God wants us here. And it's gone as a mist, as a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. If I didn't want you breathing on each other, I would right now have everyone take a deep breath in. Remember, we used to, remember back in the day when we used to do that? <laughs> take a deep breath, breathe it out. That was not guaranteed. Don't do it. With that next breath, if you can feel your pulse on your arm or on your neck, the next heartbeat, 
we live our lives understanding that God is in control of that next heartbeat. God is in control of that next breath. And at any time, He can take it away. What is your life? C.T. Studd wrote a very powerful and popular poem. And one of the final verses of that poem say, says this, Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all. And the line that most of us would know from that poem, Only one life, will soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last only one life will soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last I enjoy cooking and grilling I hope I understand that won't last. In fact, that chicken ain't gonna last until like 1.30. It's gone. Those ribeyes I did yesterday, they lasted about 15 minutes. Only what's done for Christ. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Where moth and rust can corrupt it, where thieves can break through and can steal. But, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moth or rust cannot corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Treasure the eternal. Treasure the gospel. Treasure his grace. And understand. You've got one shot at this thing called life. However old you are right now, you're never going to be that young again. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You're never going to be as young as you are right now. And that's depressing. I shouldn't have said that. But you know, we got one shot at it. I've got one shot at being the husband I need to be for my wife. I got one shot. I've got one shot of being the father that I need to be to those two girls. I've got one shot. I've got one shot at leading a church. One shot. Only what's done for Christ will last. And while I want to go to Disney, in fact, we're going in October, praise the Lord, I want to go to Disney and I want to have fun and I want to buy him a puppy. We bought him a puppy and I want to do all those things. Only what's done for Christ will last. This morning, what is your life? Maybe we need to take some introspection. Maybe we need to spend a little bit of time this morning just in thought of what is our life. Are we guilty of just, hey, tomorrow I'm going to go do this and I got these plans, I'm going to do all that? Never, never, if the Lord wills, never understanding that it can be taken from me immediately. Because we only have one shot at it. Whoever knows the right thing to do, do it.
do it. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.